0: You're like, I'm desperate as shit. Like, <laughs> I am so desperate right now to get anything going. And even K-Fed, I think that's what we called him here in Australia. We couldn't be bothered saying the whole name. So even, even K-Fed, you get a call up and you're like, mm, pass Hip hop hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. Oh don't threaten me with the guitar. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man, because they give y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. What's up with it? It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle Podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours.
1: Yo, I saw you had Rick Hyde on here too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to mention it in the intro, but um, yeah, had Rick Hyde. Uh, I'm Young World as well also was on the show really early on. So yeah, we've had a few guests I noticed that we've both worked with.
1: Sick. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, both uh, Buffalo guys, you know, and I have roots to Buffalo, which is kind of how like we all got connected.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to have to ask you about that then um because i also saw you got a track with benny the butcher as well um and you remix one of Tech nine songs so there's like as much as you're a dj producer in house (laughs) there is some hip-hop roots as well um so i always love finding those little seeds that link to the show but it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show the one and only dj producer the man who does it all uh bijou is on the show and man i appreciate it because you're really busy. I mean, you're touring, you're making tracks. You've already dropped like three tracks this year. I think the most recent yeah. one was The Way We Touch. Uh, and then yep. you've got uh, San Tropez, you've got oh, Moneybag, Back It Up. Like it's, it feels yeah. like you've got really great momentum. You know, we're, we're now close to the midway point of 2023, but it feels like there's really good momentum heading into the back end and then obviously to 2024.
1: Totally, yeah. Those tracks, a lot of them, we were sitting on for quite some time. Like, Money Bag, we were sitting on for like a year. You know, like we almost had the vocal dropped off that because we had been waiting for so long. The way we touch is like two years old, and we just been kind of reworking records. And like, the release schedule is done for the entire year, like the entirety of it, like. I got a track coming out this week on Thrive with this uh, vocalist named Purple Velvet Curtains, this rapper from the UK. Um, next month, there's a remix that's coming out for the Funk Hunters out of Canada. Monster Cat release in August. Got a couple of more things on Nightbase. Like, so I'm kind of already, I'm working on like a bigger project right now that's going to come out early next year. And that's kind of like halfway done right now. And I'm figuring out what the next steps are going to be. So there's a, there's a lot in motion. Like I, I think I re my fault. I think I rescheduled this like twice just because like, I was so busy. Like I was in LA and I was on tour and I was in New York. Like I was all over the place.
0: Which is very understandable though. Like when you're (laughs) trying to figure out where you are, when in the middle of doing interviews, this is like the weird thing of like my part of it is like, I got to catch you all in the middle of enough time for you to be able to sit and focus and be yeah. able to concentrate. Because like like you said, your schedule is crazy right now. Like the amount of stuff that are going on, like for you to even have the ability to sit down and go, okay, I can focus for an hour, an hour and a bit to just talk about the things I need to do and not actually get anything done mm. is really, well, I always appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like doing this stuff. It's fun. Like, dude, I had two meetings already today. When we're done, I have to go to the merch warehouse to finalize like the new merch design. So like it never ends. It's we're in June. I have 10 shows in June. You know, I was in LA for a week and then I was in LA for another, it's just, it's hectic, but it's, it just comes with the territory. It's kind of the life I signed up for and dreamed about. And it's funny because I'll talk to artists like, People will probably think I'm insane for what I'm about to tell you. Right. Artists will be like, yo, I want to tour. I want to tour. I want a tour. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, are you positive? Because it's a lot different than you think it is. Like, yeah, being on the road is exciting. It's so much fun, but also it's very draining. You miss weddings, you miss birthdays, you miss holidays. I had to tell one of my best friends today, I don't think I can come to his wedding party in September. You know, like there's an extreme amount of sacrifices that you also have to make to live this life, you know, and it's, it's difficult, you know, like sometimes you feel terrible for those things that are happening in personal matters, but it's like, yo, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. It could end tomorrow. So I got to do what I got to do.
0: I think that makes sense though, because I think when you're young, you think that the touring life is all that matters because You don't really have perspective on your personal life. You don't have perspective on momentous occasions that happens with the relationships that you have. And then as you grow, as you get older, as connections become deeper and more valuable to you, then all of a sudden you realize the true sacrifice. Because I think what people see is just the stage time. They just see you on stage, lapping it up, having fun. But they don't see the fact that you have to get off stage deal with sound, deal with stage, deal with like travel. Where are we going to go next? What does accommodation look like? How do we deal with the team? How do I make sure I continue all my like working relationships and then perform the next show at the same level that I did my last show?
1: It's really, really difficult. And like in May, this is crazy because like I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, right? My AC went out at my house. And we're talking like Arizona summer where we're like above hundred degrees Fahrenheit. I don't, I don't know what that is in Celsius. America just decided to do it differently <laughs> than everyone. Like we're the only people who do Fahrenheit, I think other than Mexico and maybe South America, but like, it's fucking hot, yo. And I had to live in hotels and my parents' house for like almost a whole month, you know? Wow. Cause it's. I had to deal with my landlord and then they had to deal with the fucking warranty company. And then the warranty company was taking forever. And then the AC company is like, well, we can't do anything until um, we have the new unit in. Then the new unit came in and another piece broke when they installed it. So like they fixed it after two weeks and then it broke the same day again. You know, and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to? And the week before that, I was in LA for a whole week in a hotel. So I spent almost five weeks pretty much living in a hotel with a makeshift studio trying to figure out how I'm going to make music in a hotel without being too loud. Meanwhile, I was like, this is the first time I'm publicly saying anything. I was going through like some health shit where I had to like go to the doctor and I almost fucking thought I was going to die and all this crazy shit was going down. And it's like, Now we're in June. and I'm like, cool. Um, I have 10 shows. How are we going to navigate everything? Like, I don't, I don't, those are the sides of things that people don't see.
0: I think they forget that you're a real person as well. (laughs) That's what they forget. They, I mean, they have this relationship with you of like, what they see on stage, what they see on social media. And they forget that, you're just like everybody else in the sense of, like, if your air conditioning breaks down, you you also have to, like, deal with annoying companies and, like, do, people who are like, that's not my fault, that's their fault. And then your your landlord and stuff like that. I think that's what people really forget is that, that stuff doesn't go away. That
1: Correct. stuff still
0: exists for you. And only, like, the super rich, they can only handball that stuff. But still, it happens. Yeah. Like, it's not like all your problems disappear. They're just like also happening at the same time.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to say that like they're worse. Like I still have a home to live in, but like I still have to run my entire business. I sound like I'm complaining right now, which I shouldn't be because like life is good. Let me just say that life is really good. Right? <laughs> um, but like, yo, that shit sucked. I didn't want to deal with that. And here's, what's funny is the week before it got fixed, the landlord approved the Airbnb and I rented this Airbnb that was like, this house from the sixties and it was up on this mountain and it was cool and blah, blah, blah. Get there. A see, don't work. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I like, I like the point that like you bring up, like, I'm just a normal person like everyone else, you know, I just have a job that is magnified where people look at me as something different, you know? So like when I meet people who are fans, and they treat me any differently. Like one of the first things I always tell them is like, yo, I'm just like you. I'm a normal person. I just do this for a job. That doesn't make me any better or any different from you whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think that changes on depending on scale, though. Like there is a point where this is no longer like you're no longer a normal person where like the fame and the recognition gets to you. Like once you're at like Lady Gaga level. Like, you're when they say I'm a normal person, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You're not normal anymore. <laughs> like, you guys, like, I know what you're trying to do because I get it makes sense. You don't want to be like, I'm way above or I'm way different to all my fans. You're trying to still connect with them, but mm. their lives are so different in the sense of they cannot even wrap their heads around what a normal life looks like. But, yeah, you know, not be, being below that level of, like, ultra famous you're still dealing with normal stuff like you can i'm sure go to the supermarket and not be mobbed with fans
1: It. i deal with some of that here and there like in arizona it's definitely tough like i was in winnipeg on saturday saturday yeah and like i got to the hotel and there was like people waiting at the hotel and i was like what this has never happened before. Like, what's going on? But, like, the thing for me is, right, I could get to this certain point that's so big, which I do want, but I also want to be treated the same as anyone else would be treated, you know? Because, like, I just wasn't raised that way. Like, my dad was a school teacher, my mom is a flow cytometrist, which is like kind of hard to explain.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have to explain that to me because I have (laughs) no idea what that is.
1: So basically what they do is she's the manager of her lab. So anyone who is getting tested for like cancer and getting biopsies and things of that sort, they send it to her lab and that's where they do the testing. Okay. So like like
0: that's. That was, you're very good at, you've explained that many times. That's like, (laughs) you know, practiced because I would fumble all over that if you had to give me a shot.
1: Yeah, I asked her. I was like, yo, what's the easiest way for me to explain what you do so that people will understand this because it's going to happen? And she's like, oh, I'm going to have to think about that because it's not that easy to explain. And I'm like, all right, just give me like the elevator pitch. Super simple. And that's what it is. That's almost exact words.
0: That is like. Scientist level response where you're like, "Hey, can I ask you a question?" They're like, "Let me get back to you. Let me formulate first. I need the the theory behind it, and then I got to come up with my original hypothesis. We got to test it out."
1: Yeah, and I'm just like, "Yo, like, I don't, I don't think that way. I hated school. Like, I have an artistic mind. Just make it simple."
0: So let me ask: You have an artistic mind. Your parents, obviously, education is a big piece. Your father being a teacher, your mother being in science. How was that relationship of them discovering and you discovering your artistic nature and then realizing that you really didn't enjoy school that much?
1: Um, so my dad was in music for a really long time. Um, he was a manager. He still somewhat manages the bands that he was managing in the 90s as like Arizona local bands now, like beforehand, they they almost got signed to Hollywood Records in the 90s. Like they- oh, wow. There was a lot of bands from Tempe, Arizona, where I'm from, that were getting signed to these major label deals. It was weird. It was like a breeding ground for like these rock and roll bands. And I I obviously was a baby, so I don't understand it, but he still sings, still plays guitar like my brother's in town right now. And apparently they're like at the house recording some song. My dad's like, yo, your brother can sing. We got to make this song. And I'm like, (laughs) I've fucking heard him sing to a song in the car. That doesn't mean he can sing but like so there is definitely a very strong musical background from my dad's side um but there's also like a sports background which is where i come from as well like my mom ran marathons my dad played college basketball like i played college baseball and played professionally so there's i've lived like a lot of different lives and from like i guess a school standpoint I'd say grade eight was, or maybe even grade six is when everything changed because they moved me schools in fifth grade. And in sixth grade, I went to middle school. It was like a sixth through eighth. Right. And my dad was a teacher there. And that's when like the trouble started, yeah. you know, I was just like, I'm in the school with my dad's, my teacher, like, fuck this. And I like got into graffiti and was super into graffiti and that whole realm. So that like, Kind of got me into hip hop, and I was like, "Yo, like this shit is cool. Like I want to do all this." And then I started getting rebellious, but somehow kept playing sports. So like, dude, I did graffiti and was super into the graffiti world until age like twenty five, probably.
0: Oh wow, that's long.
1: Yeah, so from age probably fourteen to twenty five, like, I don't know if I can say this because of like legal shit,
0: but like, I definitely. I think- well, let me, let me say, I, I have a law degree. I don't know how helpful it will be. I'm, I've am <laughs> i never been a practicing lawyer. Let me say that. So anything, any advice I give no one ever listened to, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure we can use this as like, this is just you trying to tell a story that may or may, that's not really necessarily true just to, it's artistic. There's no admission of guilt here.
1: Yeah. There's no admission of guilt and there's no evidence, you know, but like, yeah definitely was very ingrained in the freight train graffiti world. We'll just say that, you know, with some people who were like very well known in that space. Um, and like in that time, like I discovered dance music cause I was playing baseball and was just like, how can I combine house music and hip hop? Cause like six years old, I was introduced to Tupac by like one of my older cousins, like, yo, this shit is sick. And then I got introduced to dance music when I was, 19 or 20, no, 19. And then I was like, How can I combine these things? You know, and hadn't started producing, hadn't really started DJing yet, but went to a show in 2010. Yeah, 2010 called uh, Nocturnal Texas. Doesn't even exist anymore. Massive rave in Rockdale, Texas, in the middle of nowhere. 40,000 people saw like Armin Van Buren. Avicii, Donald Glad saw like Porter Robinson on a side stage at 3 p.m. And this guy's now like selling out Red Rocks. And I was like, this is the sickest shit ever. <laughs> Went home the next day and like downloaded Virtual DJ. was like, I'm going to be a DJ. And then it kind of, there's a lot of crazy shit that happened between then and now.
0: So it was just that quick for you? Like you just got the bug that like it was just like it clicked? It was just like I have to do it.
1: Yeah, immediately. I've always been that way. When I find something that I really love, it just clicks. It was like that with graffiti. When I discovered graffiti, immediately I was like, This is so sick. I want to do this. I want to do art. Started drawing every single day. Like I know my parents still have like my old black books somewhere, you know? And it the first introduction was I was playing baseball in the West Coast League. We were in Kelowna. I was 19 years old. We go we're out at these clubs. Uh, we're at this place called Cheetahs, which is like a Hell's Angels like clubhouse. It's like owned by the Hell's Angels. <laughs> right. It's literally like a club, but also a strip club all in one. Like we're 19 years old in Canada. Like, yo, we're getting trashed. Like we can drink here and we meet these girls and they're like, yo, we're taking you to this. um, What's it called? We're taking you to this like rave or this club with like, EDM music and I'm like I don't know what that is but like you girls are hot like let's go (laughs) (laughs) like let's go have fun and went and they introduced me to like Tiesto and Deadmau5 and this and like I'm just like yo this is the sickest shit ever like people are in here like honestly what caught me initially was like the girl aspect of it because like there's so many hot girls at these parties and it's so cool but like the music is amazing you know and everyone's so happy I mean little did I know at the time like everyone's on drugs but like the next day, I found out Dead Mouse is playing on the beach in Kelowna. We have a baseball game and like we could hear it from the field. And I'm just like, this is so tight, you know? And then went to school the next year and in Oklahoma and went to that rave and was like, all right, I'm going to do this.
0: Yeah, that's like, it's, it's weird because as you're talking about it, like you have a potential professional baseball career there in front of you like but,
1: yeah which i did pursue like i i ended up playing professional baseball for a year and a half
0: and then what made you just be like was it i just want to go all in as a dj
1: so while okay so 2010 was when this all happened right and i discovered this local promoter called haney's Hades entertainment right So owned by this guy named Themeo, who was my first ever manager and still friends with him to this day. I saw him last week. He came to our label party in L.A., which was amazing, like, which is another story, you know, and. Started working for him as a promoter, like in the meantime, doing online promotion, you know, just like I got a bunch of friends, like, let's get them to your shows, blah, blah, blah. Then I'm like back in Arizona, I'm passing out flyers at the let out of shows and on campus at ASU and selling tickets and like building like this local profile and started playing some bigger shows for like relentless beats who are like the major promoter here um started playing shows for bankhead productions which is like daniel my manager who you've spoken to that was his promotion company back in 2012 before like he was even managing me um i'm playing baseball through this time right going to school still trying to do this and do both um, I totally fucked off my senior year of college for sure. Like the second semester, I went to school for the first two weeks and didn't go back. I was like, I'm, this is my final season. They can't take me out. Like, I'm going to just do music and go work out with my coach in the morning and go to practice. Failed every class, right? My parents weren't Not happy. surprising. Not surprising <laughs> considering you didn't go to school. It's funny. The last project I did was in speech class. My first speech, the first week of class, I got a zero. It was about my baseball glove. And I was so nervous, like speaking in front of a whole class. I'd like stage fright for the next week. My teacher made me go around with her every day after class and speak to her in front of the entire campus, like with people all around. Right. Did a project on EDC in Vegas, which I had been to, got a 98 out of 100 and never went back to
0: school. (laughs) <laughs> that was like the mic drop moment for you that was like <laughs> I, i'm done i'm finishing at the top
1: literally i was like fuck this it's cool also within that two-week time frame i discovered <laughs> i discovered breaking bad and i started watching it binging it so that was definitely a kicker because i got to week two and i was like nah let's just watch breaking bad school's done
0: yeah i i don't love that advice for kids of like that <laughs> second path but to be fair and this is the redeeming quality, is that Look at where you are now. It worked. But I will say the thing that I notice about your story is like what you did of passing out flyers and promoting and literally spending time standing, giving paper and pamphlets and like trying to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. That's all stuff people never want to do. Like that is a huge fear for people of like, it's embarrassing that I'm standing out here handing paper to people going... It's like, you know, you go on holiday, you go traveling somewhere, and those people hand out, like, bus tour stuff, and you're like, man, that would suck to do that job. So yeah. as much as the, the hustle never disappeared, it was just directional in the sense that it was in a different direction.
1: Totally. And when, like, getting back to... Like, I've been a hustler from probably age six i was hustling kids for pokemon cards in first grade like you know i'm getting all these cards and i'm trading these and you don't know they're whack but i do and i'm getting your good cards so like i was hustling kids at six years old you know like there's a lot it's there's, there's so much so like when i started I, I got injured my first season of professional baseball and i had to rehab because i was playing indie ball which is like cutthroat and like I sprained my UCL, went from a starter to the bullpen, still played, got re signed the second year. And halfway through, like, I kind of sat there and looked at it and was like, I don't love this anymore. You know, when I'm the type of person where if I do something and I don't love it anymore, I have no fear of walking away.
0: What about it didn't you love anymore?
1: It wasn't fun. Baseball was meant to be fun. Like, I started doing that as a kid because it was fun and I loved it. And I loved the competition and I loved my teammates and things of that sort. And now it was, I was being paid to do it. It was complete shit pay. It's like money you can't even survive on. I'm 23 years old living at my parents' house, which is fine with me. I'd live with my parents now if I could. And, <laughs> But I was so deep in music now from like a love standpoint that I fell out of love with baseball and was like, I think this is the next thing in my life. So one day I came to my parents and I go, look, I'm going to retire from baseball next week. And there, I was scared shitless from age five. My mom and dad have been supporting me in this can legitimately say my dad probably spent his last dollar many times so that I would be happy and have what I needed to play, you know? So and here they are, and they're like, all right, cool, whatever you want to do next. And I'm just like, what just happened? Like, mind blown. I retire. themeo's still managing me. No, he wasn't. We had a falling out, right, over some shit that happened. We had been throwing shows, and I'd been helping him. Like, I'd built a pretty strong local following. Like, I could probably pull 200 to 250 people as a local at that point. And I have no music out. just mm. a local DJ. And... Went to Thomas Turner, who was the owner of Relentless Beats, still is, and was like, look, here's what happened. Like, either you guys can ride with me or I'm going to figure this this shit out either way. And he's like, all right, we'll ride with you. Two years, I got a shitty job working at Jersey Mike's. Good friend of mine. I'm like making sandwiches like, yo, I'm just going to work here. I'm going to figure it out. Funny you have a law degree because I was a pre-law major and wanted to be a defense attorney. So never got my degree, obviously, didn't graduate from school. Um, And in November of 2015, actually, let's backtrack, October 2015, I almost quit music. No one was signing my music, didn't know what to do. Um, A couple things had happened, like some guys were playing some of my songs, which is great. And I emailed this dude named Wax Motif, who's like one of my homies now, and was like, look, dude, I'm going to quit music. I don't know what to do. Like, this is kind of like my last ditch effort to see what happens. And I sent him this song called I'm a dog.
0: Can I ask before you say the song that you sent, what was the mindset at that time? Like when you look back, when you were thinking about quitting, like where was your headspace at? What was your mind thinking about? And what was the contemplation?
1: I'm 25. I'm still at my parents. I'm fucking dead broke because I'm spending all my money. I can to travel around the country and meet promoters and talent buyers and people in the industry, right? So, like, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm about to turn 26 in six months. I have to get health insurance. I can't even afford that, right? So, I'm like, I got to make money somehow, figure something out, and I'm still working this job. So, I'm like, I might have to finish this and go do something else, right? So, send this. Did you email. know what you were going to do? No idea. I literally sat there and was like i will figure it out that's just how i am i'm i don't know i have a weird thing about me where i just have faith and so much confidence in myself that if something's wrong i will fix it i don't know what i'm gonna have to do but i will figure it out and no one's gonna stop me and nothing will stop me from doing that and i'm that same way to this day um so I send the email. No response for a month or no two weeks, and I'm like, "Fuck, dude!" Like, Danny's not responding. Like, what am I gonna do? And that four week span was so crucial because I had started to form my relationship with Doctor Fresh, who's now one of my best friends. And ten days later, Tony's like, "Yo, I want to sign this for my label, which was Prep School Recordings at the time," and I'm like holy shit okay maybe here's the breakthrough like Tony's gonna do it four days later so Danny on Facebook Wax Motif at that time right every month he came out with his top 10 tracks of the month he comes out with it he never responded to the email but he puts this song that's not out as number two Wow. and I'm like yo okay this just got signed this is number two we're not quitting two weeks later I'm at work And I get the weirdest call. Thomas, my manager, calls me. You're going to be like, what the hell? How old are you?
0: Uh, 29.
1: Okay, so you'll know this era. So I get a call. I'm like, yo, Tom, I'm at work. I only have a second. And he goes, well, I have an opportunity for you. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He's like, Kevin Federline needs a new producer. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm good. Like, you don't even need to go further. And he's like bro like this is an opportunity you could quit your job i was like i want nothing to do with kevin federline i gotta go back to work thanks for calling hung up (laughs) right i i don't (laughs) even know like i've never had a conversation with thomas like that since like it's always very different but that one i was just like no fucking chance
0: i love i love that you're even at that time you're like I'm desperate as shit. Like, I'm so desperate right now to get anything going. And even K-Fed, I think that's what we called him here in Australia. We couldn't be bothered saying the whole name. So even, even K-Fed, you get a call up and you're like, mm, pass. I'm
1: like, nah, I'm good. Like, I, my reputation is very important to me and it still is. And I was just like, nah, no, bro, I'm good, right? So I was like, I, I'm on a high. I just got this track sign. Wax Motif is supporting me. Like, nah, we're good. Everything's going to be fine, right? Total flip of the mindset. Two weeks later, Thomas calls me. I'm at work again. I'm like, yo, what's up, dude? I'm at work again. And he's like, look, KFED's going to be in town tomorrow. And I like stopped him. I'm like, bro, I told you I don't want to meet him. I'm good. He goes, look. Just go to dinner with us, just meet him, at least come to dinner, and I'm like, all right, I go, yo, we're going to Steak 44, it's like the best steakhouse in the whole fucking city, he's buying, and I was like, I'm at least going to get a good meal out of this, you know? Well, he
0: better be buying, I mean, you're working at Jersey Mike's, it would be rude as shit for him to be like, hey man, you gotta put up the money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... So I'm like, all right, cool. Go to dinner. I meet the guy. And I'm like, yo, this dude is so nice, so down to earth, so cool. That was the moment I realized that never believe what's on the internet or in the tabloids. And we agreed that day to work together for the next year. And that was like my break right there. And two weeks later, I quit my job. And I haven't worked ever since in a day job type space.
0: So how was it producing for him and DJing for him?
1: So um, I can't go into like super detail because there's like NDAs and shit. Um, I enjoyed it, to be honest. I only ended up working with him for eight months um, out of the year. Um, I was very, very happy to get into a space where I could focus solely on music. Um, So for the next eight months, I spent two weeks in L.A. every single month working with him. And then I'd be home. I was literally sleeping on my friend's couch for two weeks straight. Shout out to Ryan for even letting me to do that. He's like still one of my friends to this day. And I was like, look, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone. I go, I know I'm obviously not going to be Kevin Federline's producer for the rest of my life. So let me do the best job I can and try to build my project in a space so that when this deal ends, If it doesn't continue, I'm in a space where I don't have to go back to a job. So, song gets released by Dr. Fresh. Great response. He's big at this point, you know, and he's doing really well touring. I'm getting support from him. I'm getting support from Wax. I'm creating these relationships with other artists in the G House world, like, Vanilla Ace, I mean, Edge and Dance, Clyde P, these guys who were like Destructo, like these guys who are in that realm, you know, like, dude, at that time, Destructo was like doing shit with YG. And I'm just like, yo, like this, this dude's fucking lit. Like, I want to be associated with him. So fast forward to March of 2016, Miami Music Week. I'm there just networking, have no shows, doing everything I can. Dr. Fresh is there and he's like, yo, come to the Bygor party, pulls me. He's like, you're tour managing for me today. And I'm just like, whatever, Tony, like I'll literally do anything right now. I don't care, you know, and plays the show. And I'll never forget this because it was like a turning point on the car ride back because he's playing trap music at this point, like in the original Dr. Fresh sound is like G house. And that's like what I discovered him as. He's like, you know, he's like, I don't love this trap shit. He's like, I want to get back to like the original Dr. Fresh sound. And I'm just like, cool. He's like, let's collab. And I'm just like, whoa, what the fuck's happening? Like, this is sick. Right. <laughs> and like in those situations, when you just come from a party, people will say things like that. And 95% of the time, nothing happens. Right. So I get back from Miami the next Monday. I had the song cut called, called Hello that I had already finished. Wax is playing it, Destructo's playing it. Mala's playing it, right? And this was a point where I was getting a little bit of momentum. So, a little bit of selfishness of like songs I wanted to collab with people on started to come into play. And this song was getting a lot of hype. And I was like, fuck, dude, like, I don't know if I want to give them this. Like, it's pretty much done. And all these guys are playing it. Like, I don't know if I need him to be on it. And I don't know what it was, but something in me just said, fuck it, send it to him. And I send it to him. And he's like, Holy shit, this is insane. He finished it in like two months. And we put it out. And the first the week it came out, it came out in May of 2016 on a Tuesday. And then on the Friday. This is before like this crazy like Spotify pitching era and shit. This is when SoundCloud was popping, and put the song out. Then on Friday, I had my first ever release on Nightbase. So in a four day span, the two biggest records of my entire career come out, and I'm just like, what's happening? And a week later, I started getting offers to tour, like out of state, and I was just like, whoa, like dude, Dylan Francis started playing Hello, Don Diablo played at Mainstage EDC, and it was on the stream. All this crazy shit happened. And I was like. What's going on? Like seven months ago. I was like fuck this. I quit. And. Shit has just been insane. From then.
0: Isn't it funny though. That. You need to feel that moment. Like you. uh, There's. There's always a a turning point. In. In like the hero's journey. Or the person's story. Where it's like. You go all in. And it doesn't work. But then you stick it out and you Mm -hmm. keep going. And like you have the contemplation of quitting. And I I constantly find this, the successful people are just the ones who don't quit. They just kept going. Like how many times would people have quit in your shoes? So many times.
1: Yeah. People do it now. And it's funny because like by this time, Thomas is managing me. He's bringing Daniel on the project because he hired Daniel to be a buyer at RB. And he's like, Part of your job title is going to be to manage ben day to day and i already have a re- great relationship with daniel so i'm like fuck it let's go right so that summer goes great play like 12 shows over the three months and i'm just like yo this is amazing like i'm starting to make a little bit of money i'm meeting all these people we're releasing great music and then like the fall comes around and i'm like "Yo, i got all these big tracks coming out like three hundred thousand streams on soundcloud and everyone's playing them and this and i'm like telling thomas like yo why isn't an agent signing me like we're talking to a few agents and all of them are like oh he's not ready right this story's crazy because no one had done this at this time and he's like yeah they just don't think you're ready and i was like i literally go yo fuck them all we're gonna do our own tour and he's like what do you mean i go We're going to book our own tour. And he's like, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And over the next four weeks, I booked 17 shows myself. That is awesome. It was insane. It was the most difficult month from a work standpoint ever dealing with all these people. And I go, Tom, the goal was 20. Can... Like, can you help me get these other three shows? And he's like, I got it. He hit up promoter friends he had. And we booked three shows. And we had a 20 day tour set for Q1 of 2017. And I had this song called Guru. And I told him, I was like, look, this is going to be like the next one, like the next hello. Right. And they're like, all right. I was like, we're going to do the Guru tour. It's not even out. Just trust me on this. Like back then. There was really no democracy within my team. It was like, I'm going to decide what we're doing, and you guys can either be on board or not, but I'm doing it either way. Which is not really a good way to work with the team. (laughs) No, it's definitely not like that anymore. But they trusted the vision, and we put the song out on December 7th of 2016, and in 24 hours, it did 100,000 streams on SoundCloud. Wow. And just went absolutely insane and a week later we dropped the tour and every single agent we'd been talking to called thomas and was like who'd you sign with like who did this tour and he's like didn't sign with anyone we uh did it ourselves since you guys didn't want to sign us and they're like wow we didn't like see the demand and we're like yeah what you didn't know is over the past two years he's been traveling the country meeting every single possible talent buyer he could but we didn't have to tell you that. You just didn't trust us. So I told Thomas, make him wait. Um, and then three months later, two and a half months later, we signed with my agent Rob, who I've been with ever since. And he's the fucking best. I love him.
0: I love that you made them wait.
1: Fuck yeah, we gotta make them wait. Like you guys didn't want to do it. Like, I'm gonna show you why you should have. And now that you want me, the ball's in my court.
0: Yeah. You you flipped the script, and then you made them sweat for it.
1: Exactly. And that was, uh, I mean, it's like I said, right? I'm going to figure it out no matter what. And sometimes it just comes down to like determination and hard work. And that's just what I had to do. And having this vision of something that seems impossible to everyone but me. And I'm going to be like, when people tell me no, I'm like, oh, all right, fuck off. I'm going to show you why it's a
0: yes. (laughs) You and I both feel the same way. I hate being told what to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you doubt, like I'm competitive as well. Like competition to me is one of the best things because competition like gets me going. It's like, oh, now you've given me a reason to care as opposed to before when we don't want, there's nothing at stake that's like, it's it's different. But I love that feeling of like, oh, you want to doubt me, huh? Let me show you what I got. Oh, you don't think it's possible for this to be done? Mm -hmm. might not be possible for you it's possible for me let me show you and those things and those feelings yeah i love i love that feeling
1: it's the best because when you finally finish the job and then you're just sitting there and everyone's like how did you do this and you're like it doesn't matter i fucking told you i was gonna do it and now it's done
0: you know there's a quote that says first they're gonna say you can't do it and then they're gonna say how did you do it
1: Mm mm-hmm Yeah, and then I'm not going to tell them.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, (laughs) you only tell the people that that are on your team. And, you know, thinking about, you know, those agents and those deals, part of me thinks that you were almost too hot. Like, and by not signing you, they're waiting for you to, like, drop a little bit in terms of, like, your appeal so they can get a better deal for themselves. Like, there is a part of that where, like, they're, like, Look there is potential here but at the moment there's like too much heat. So maybe we just wait like 3 months the heat drops and then we get him at a cheaper price. And you you obviously didn't wait for that to happen but I know there are a lot of artists who would have waited. And then they would have signed a deal that wasn't as good.
1: Yeah, I'm not waiting. When I when I have a vision for something and I really believe in it, nothing is going to stop me. And it's it's cool cuz like maybe those other agents would have done that, but Rob Rob does honest and good business. And I think that's why I thoroughly enjoy working with him. Like he'll bring a deal to us for a show and I'm going to be like, we should get more money for this. And i will be like, no, you shouldn't. And here's why, because your ticket value is not this high in that market. Yeah. Just because your ticket value is this high in this other market that might be close to it. You didn't sell enough tickets to make it make sense for this promoter. So if I asked him for this much money and you don't sell the shit out, you're not going back for a while, so he's like, you can make the choice and you can take the fair deal and have more longevity, and you're going to make more over time, or you can take the risk. And he goes, I'm telling you right now, because dude, Rob's been doing this for like 15 years. Like he discovered Avicii, you know. Like he wow. knows what he's he knows what he's doing. You know. So I'm like, all right, Rob, I trust you. Let's just let's just go with it. You know, he's dude's the best. Like literally.
0: Yeah, the value of good representation and good team cannot be undersold. Like, it is crucial to your success.
1: 100%, because you can only go so far by yourself. You know, it gets to a point where the workload is just too much. You just can't. Like, how am I supposed to field offers, right? Pitch myself to all these promoters who I don't even know, right? Make the music. Manage the music, manage the day to day, and the ca- It's just not. It's not reality, you know. That's that's not really a reality to do it on your own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can I ask something that that I've always been interested in in house music and in DJs is like the drop. The drop okay. is like key to the feeling of like f- you need to build the the anticipation of the drop and there is something about you know you build you build and then there is no drop and there are definitely songs that do that but what is it about a drop to you when you're making the music and when you're thinking about it that it does and and what is that feeling like because you're obviously seeing a crowd respond to it like what do you think that is for for when people listen to it?
1: I think it gives them a feeling. This is a good question because now when I send people music, I'm like, yo, what do you feel when you listen to this? Cause I don't want to know what they hear. Like I know it's sounds like such a fucking douche saying this. (laughs) I know it sounds good, but I want to know what you feel. Right. And I think it's that feeling like when something drops, you get goosebumps and there's only certain things in the world that can do that for you. You know, like, Maybe some insane part of a movie or a song, you know. And when the song drops, I want you to get a couple different feelings, right? If it's like dark and grimy, like we're gonna go into like the West Coast Mac Dre fucking thing, like I want you to have a fucking this face on, like oh my god, like what was that, right? But then there's certain aspects where, like, if I'm working on something that might be houseier and more vocal driven, like. I'm thinking about it right now and I'm getting goosebumps, right? Like, I want you to get goosebumps when that song drops and you're just like, oh my God, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. You know, so like that drop is where the energy comes from and it kind of like drives you forward. And the whole purpose of it is like, for me, from a musical standpoint, is to bring everyone together, you know? I love how music brings people together and creates a space where people don't think about anything, don't worry about anything, and they're just lost in that space of the music. And I feel like that is exactly what I want every drop that I have to do. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think the drops are so unique. Like, I know I feel it. Like, the build-up of a drop. Like, you can sense it coming, and the crowd can sense it. The crowd knows that something's going to happen. You don't like even if you've heard the song before you know it's coming and just that sense of anticipation just gets everyone tuned in it's like the the ticking time bomb you know that it's coming and but because you know it's coming that's the fun part mm-hmm. and so that's why I think that's why fake outs really work as well cuz like you there's obviously so many videos of of uh djs doing fake outs and you hear the crowd go oh and the whole crowd <laughs> communally sighs and mm-hmm. i think that there is something as you said really cool about having a crowd of people feel the same way simultaneously
1: yep 100 it's like there's no feeling like it like i know that there's two for me the two most safest places in the world for me are when i'm in the studio And when I'm DJing, because I go into this meditative state where there's nothing else in the world that really matters. And I'm not thinking about anything other than the music and the crowd, you know? And when I'm in the studio, it's the same thing when I'm producing, I'm just like, phones are away, everything's away. Um, and it's just me and the computer and the sounds and it's like a puzzle. It's like, all right, where's this going? Where's this going? Where's this going? And there's something really beautiful about having like a blank canvas. And I look at it because I come from graffiti, right? So like I used to make canvases and it's like, all right, well, we got this color here and this letter and this, and you have this blank canvas and it all comes together. And I look at music the exact same way where you're literally taking frequencies from the world, putting them all together to create this piece that could change someone's life. What's cooler than that? Like, I, I don't think there's anything cooler than that. Like, yo, imagine someone listened to this. I mean, it's happened. People are like, yo, I listened to this song and it made me not want to commit suicide. That's some heavy shit. Right. And I'm like, I've heard that before. People still tell me that. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And that's what like keeps driving me forward. You know, at this point, like, yes, this is my career. So like, there's a money aspect involved, right? But that's not the purpose of what I do. The purpose of what I do is to help influence people to have a better life. And think about everyone that comes to shows. Like, a lot of times people come to shows because they want to forget about the bullshit they're dealing with on a day to day basis. So I have the opportunity to help them be in that space. Like what's like I get to help people every single day. And that's that's amazing. Like I firmly believe my purpose in life is to help others and serve people with music. Just it's kind of cool.
0: You know it's interesting cuz like you know I think about my own perspective on art and on music when I was younger and there is this like almost feeling of like oh it's just art it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. during school you're like the what they focus on is the quote-unquote education you know the maths the science the English all that kind of stuff and the older I get and the more I speak to people like yourself the more my view on that changes and the more I start thinking that life is actually art that's where life is like it is in the painting that makes you feel something. That when you look at it, you cannot help but feel an emotion. It's uncontrollable. It just comes to you. It's in a book that you read that made you completely change the way that you view the world. It's in a song that takes you out of your own head and makes you feel something else. Like that is ultimately where we need to put energy and focus is like our own creativity because ultimately that's that's almost the purest expression of what it is to be human
1: 100 and i think that yeah honestly you put it perfect that's and i think that we need more of that in the world overall because as technology changes now we have ai and all this shit like everything's so digital like we're getting away from like the human aspect of things which is what creates feelings that we have you know like in 15 years, are people gonna not have feelings anymore? Like, yo, we're just shutting everything off. There's no more feelings. Like, fuck that, that shit sounds horrible, right? Like, I can boldly say, like, I am an emotional person. I have a lot of feelings as most artists are, you know? And I work on my self-awareness on a daily basis, right? Because I firmly believe that if I can be as self-aware as possible, I'm going to be able to relate that into the music so that people can feel those things that I'm feeling, you know, and who's going to be able to relate to that. So you put it perfect, you know, like that is what art truly is and makes it so special.
0: Yeah. And I, I think like, I feel sorry for people who haven't found their version of that, because I think whether you put it out to the world or not, I think your own creativity, if you're allowed to express it or you give yourself permission to express it, you'll find parts of yourself you didn't know were there. Like you'll discover things about yourself. Like I started, I made a commitment to myself this year that I would write every single day. It would be a thought a day for 365 days. And I've written every day, even on days where I'm traveling, I'm on the plane, I'm like jet lag or whatever I'm just like I'm going to type something out on my phone and just that'll be my thought but what it taught me was like the things I think I don't really understand until I really take the time to think about them I take the time to express myself it's like you know when you're painting you don't know you feel this way until the paint kind of hits and you're brushing aggressively and you're like why am I annoyed and It's this self-reflective kind of expression of what you do.
1: Yeah. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this because you kind of struck me when you said you feel bad for people who haven't found that space yet, right?
0: I think it's an empathy of like...
1: Okay. like, like A lot of times when someone hasn't found that yet, this is in my experience, they're not in a space where they're ready to receive that type of thing. You know, it could be right. It could have been right in front of them for the last five years, but because they don't have an awareness where they're able to receive something of that sort, they haven't received it yet. You know, it could be right there. And a lot of times it is right. So why haven't they been in a space with that? Why aren't they aware of like who they are and what their purpose is? You know, like, I ask people all the time, like, yo, what's your purpose in life? No one can answer that question. It's a very, very difficult question. And you have to do a lot of work on yourself to really understand what that may be. You know, and it's, I think that question scares a lot of people. Because the world is so molded by a corporate model. That if you ask them what their purpose in life, it's just like, make money, have a family and be happy. And I'm like, so how do you do that? You know, cause you hate your job. You have a terrible relationship that you're not happy about. So like you just make money. Sounds like you're not happy at all. So what, what's your purpose? I'm not just so, you know, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying in general, you general, know, yeah. a lot of times when I ask people this question, they'll tell me this. And I'll say this to them and they'll be like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even think about that. And I go, yeah, because you go to your job. I'm not saying this is bad. Some people just like working. I can't do corporate. It's not for me. But open your eyes to like what's actually really happening around you, you know? And I think a lot of times people don't want to be aware of it because then they have to face the reality. And that's a difficult part about being aware of so much and being so self-aware. It's like you have to face reality of things. And live so honestly and truthfully that it can make things really difficult. But long term, I think you'll be happier.
0: I agree. I think the, the, the challenge with the idea of I want to be happy is that happy like everything else is a feeling. Yep. And the constant pursuit of a constant state of happiness means that it doesn't feel like anything because you feel that constantly. So if you feel something all the time, it's almost numbing. And then right. the opposite, so when you feel sad, it's a huge swing of like, oh, I'm sad and it feels so different to being happy because you're only focused on happiness that you, you'll never find that balance. But I think, as you said, being self-aware, so I think content and peace, being peaceful with your emotions is a way better place. And I I agree, I think that the happiness mindset is a function of our society in the sense that it promotes capitalism in a way where if I'm always wanting to be happy and I feel happy when I buy something, well, then I'm going to constantly buy because I'm always wanting to be happy. And I think if we take a step back and be like, I want to be okay with feeling sad and I want to feel okay with being angry and I want to feel okay with being happy and know that it's a spectrum of the waves that I will feel throughout my life but I can get through them all is a way better place to be in. And if you can add purpose in there, then you will find that life is actually pretty enjoyable in general throughout the lived experience.
1: I have nothing to say, but you are 100% right. You know, and I think it boils down to living a simple life and realizing that, you don't have to have all these extravagant, crazy, beautiful things. Like I like nice shit. Like I'm gonna buy nice shit. Sometimes it's also like a little bit of part of being an artist, but like I used to do that. I was known as like the DJ who like rocked Versace. I was like the Versace (laughs) DJ. Everyone knew me as that before anyone was doing it. But like right now I'm like back to my roots, you know, like I skated my whole life. Right. All last summer, I rocked the fucking tank top and Dickies. Every show. (laughs) I was just like, bro, like, simple. I want the focus to be on the music. The focus has been on me for so long. And I think that's because I didn't believe that I was making the level of quality music where it needed to be. Right? So I was like, let me put this emphasis on the image. Right? Well, I don't believe that anymore. So... Cool. Let's have a cool brand that's fun and welcoming and accepting because, like, I'm not this hard ass dude who's like a fucking gangster G house guy. Like, I don't come from that. Yeah. Like, I may have been involved with some street shit in my life, but like, that doesn't make me who I am. Like, I'm a big lover. I love people. I love being around people. I love getting to know others, but I'm also quiet. Right. But, everything doesn't have to be so complicated. Let's simplify it. Let's have the focus on the music. Like literally right now, like this merch are about to drop. Like I have a slogan. It's like less internet, more music. Right. Cause there's so much emphasis on it. And it's just, I feel like music is losing its value in a lot of ways because everything is so focused on like, TikTok going viral and Instagram and Twitter and this, like, yeah, they're great platforms and they've also made the music industry a bigger space. Right. But yo, there's so much shitty music coming out now. Like let's have some quality control. You know, there's a reason that not all this music is going viral because it sucks. Right. And like, I'll say that, like, I'm not saying I make the greatest music in the world, I think it's amazing. I love it. I make it for me, right? And I'm thankful that there's people that listen to it and enjoy it and come to the shows, but I think the internet has put a lot of emphasis on music that's not really good. You know, and it's funny, we were talking earlier. I think that's why a lot of the time, like the cream of the crop will rise, like fucking Benny and that whole BSF crew, because, yo, these were doing something authentic that related to a lot of people from the 90s because it had that sound and the quality was amazing. And people were like, yo, what is this shit? It's new, it's fresh. And what you guys don't know is like, nah, this is like a new take on 90s hip hop, but it's coming out of Buffalo, which is like also roots for me. So it's like, when I discovered this shit, I was like, I got to work with these guys, right? And it's funny because one of my students from the music academy She's from Buffalo, so we related immediately. And I was talking, to her, I was like, yo, this is the Griselda shit. She's like, Griselda? She's like, how do you know Griselda? And I was like, I'm a hip-hop head. Like, tried and true, right? Like, OG shit. Like, Big L, fucking Mob Deep. All the shit from back in the day, you know? Like, then you go West Coast. Like, I'll, I, like, showed her Drew Down, and she's like, yo, who's Drew Down? And I'm like, yo, this is, like, that real Bay Area shit. Like, gangster pimp shit. She's like, this is crazy. I'm like, yeah, this is ill, right? So she goes, I know Benny's manager. Like, I can link you guys. And I was like, what? Like, what is wow. happening? Right? Linked me with Jake. And Jake was like, oh, yeah, bro. Like, I know who you are. Like, you're out in Arizona doing this. And I was like, this dude's in hip-hop. Like, how does he know any of this shit? And he likes house music. Um, And started working with him. It was kind of crazy. I was just like, i want to work with rick i want to work with young world did records with that i did i think two records with el camino yeah um, the one with benny like and like it's funny because like one of their homies Hezzy was like yeah bro like you're the edm bsf and i was just like what this is crazy i don't i don't i'm not claiming that because i well just...
0: i would claim that so much <laughs> the black soprano family to be honest though when i was talking to rick hyde he was like when you get the the gold chain and when you get the black soprano family that's when you know you're really part of part of them but yeah that is so cool it's like yeah it it's this weird world of like and you know you mentioned people that i love big l to me is one of the like most underrated rappers right now. Like in the sense of he's been gone for a long time, Rest in Peace Big L. But like it's been over 20 years since he's passed and only true hip hop heads know. He has he had released one mixtape when he was alive and then he had another album when he passed away, but like that's it. That's all we got. And then it was like but then people forget and I agree. I think the the great thing about you know Benny and and the whole crew and and the type of music they make is as you said it was genuinely a new take on something that has a lot of historical meaning to a lot of people mm-hmm. and it was focused on making their music not making music that will pop off and there is a huge difference between that pursuit
1: exactly and that's why i wanted to bring that up like because of what we were just talking about you know and i was like these dudes are making shit that they love and they believe in. To me, that's cooler than like the fucking TikTok song that just popped off. Like to me, that shit's lame. Right. And like it was even cooler, like when I finally met them, like they brought me in, like one of their own. Like it was cool, like they they came out to Phoenix um, and there was a Dirk show out here. And I hung out with the whole crew that day, went to the studio with Rick, recorded a bunch of records. Um, met them, met Benny, and they were all just like, yo, you're the guy that's been doing this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, cool. They were there for two days. Yo, I took them to a fucking EDM show. Wow. Right. What was their reaction like? Yo, at first because like the first day we had to do the hip hop show, right? And they're like, yo, what's going on tomorrow? I was like, yo, I got this thing planned. Gordo who used to be Carnage um, is in town. Like, It's my team show. Got to set up with the table like everything's Taken care of I was like trying to host these dudes And like trying to like prove myself And what's what's hilarious is The day before They got there I was dating this girl That lived in San Diego And I was on my way to the airport To fly to go see her Spend the weekend and Rick called me And was like yo we're gonna be in Phoenix Tomorrow like Let's link up I was like cool I'll see you tomorrow Called her was like I ain't coming Right. She was not happy, but (laughs) had to do it. Right. And. Took them to the show and like. They were so into it, they're like, yo, this shit's crazy. Like everyone's having a good time and partying and there's like no drama. And like the hip hop world's different in that realm, you know, like it's different at the club and at the shows, you know, like shit gets real gangster sometimes. At the edm show it's not like that so they're like every time i talk to them like yo bro like bijou when's the next rave and i'm like whenever you're trying to go like let's do it you know and they're super into it. We're we've been talking i don't know when it's gonna happen or if but we've been talking about doing like an edm show with them in buffalo
0: that is so cool which would be really
1: really cool we've been we've been talking about it for like a year like city boy will call me randomly like bro when when are we gonna do this show and i'm like man my tour schedule is insane like you guys gotta plan it and then you gotta like send it to my agent and we gotta do this he's like nah fuck that let's just do the show and i'm like
0: <laughs> that's hip-hop right there. <laughs> yeah that is that is the epitome of like nah fuck that shit let's just get this going like let's just commit yeah. you and i commit yeah so
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna be out there in october i haven't even told them yet but I want to talk to him about it and like see what's going on. So That's I, funny.
0: I might come out to the States in October. I got a I got a friend in New York who when? moved. It's like early October. Um so I'm thinking like maybe around the 7th is when they're going and and I've got another friend he he's like on YouTube. He's he's pretty big on YouTube and TikTok. Um, and so he's going to stay on for a little bit and, and book, like, collabs. So I was like, hey, Daz, if you're staying, then I might stay and also see if there are any collabs I can do while I'm away.
1: Well, October 15th, I'll be in Buffalo.
0: There is a good chance that I'll be there too.
1: All right. There, there you go. Because the day – I got a three-day run that week on the East Coast, and it finishes – in a city in new york that is only four hours drive from buffalo so i'm gonna drive to buff the next day the bills play sunday night football that night which i know you know how important the bills are to all of us and uh i'm going to the game and i'm gonna stay till tuesday so i'll be there
0: well if i don't have any better reason than to go and and link up with you in person then hey you know this is that this is that opportunity you know when you were like, "Hey, Rick is calling. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in town. <laughs> this is that. This is that. My version of that."
1: Exactly, and the whole the whole BSF crew is gonna be in. I'm. Um, it's the home. It's the Bills home game. They're gonna be in Buffalo.
0: All right. Well, I might have to buy tickets.
1: I mean, you already know where we're gonna be at, so you let us know.
0: <laughs> All right. Done. Done. <laughs> and I. I feel like, you know, it's weird. Uh, like I'm starting to feel like when I went to Italy, right? I went to Italy recently and I went to a random shop and they were playing Griselda in, in the shop. And I was like, hey, I love your music taste, number one. And number two, you know, I interviewed Rick Hyde from Griselda. Like it was so weird for me to be international and then be actually like, we can have a conversation about this. But like, it's weird to me that, Even you and I are doing this right now. I remember when I started, uh, and I was talking to people about you know wanting to start talking to people and interviewing artists, and they're like, "Who are you going to get, man?" And I'm like, "Fucking, you know, I'm not going to get anyone good for for a while. Like, it's going to be. I am aware of that. You don't need. It's not like tomorrow I'm going to go. All right, I've got Drake on the show three episodes in. Like, I knew that from the beginning, but you know, now we're talking, and and it's kind of. Weird to me, it's that like I'm getting people at your level, and that the people that I'm talking to, like you're, and even Rick Hyde. I was like, I genuinely listen to Rick Hyde. Like, I don't know how this is happening, but it's that like commitment, and it's like what you said—you just got to go for it.
1: Yep, literally. And now you're doing it, which is which is dope. Have you done Have you done one with Heme yet? No. I got a record with Heme that we've been sitting on for like. I got to rework it because it's not in the realm of like the music I'm putting out anymore. Cause like my sound has gotten like a lot houseier. But like, dude, I have another Rick Hyde vocal just sitting that I could work with. Um, The young world. Like I had that, the whole street knowledge EP. Like, let me read this off for you. Cause this was like,
0: yeah, Rick I actually Hyde. was looking at it. it yeah, yeah.
1: It's crazy. Like Rick Hyde, Tony Watts, Tony Watts is um, a Phoenix guy, right? Tony Watts, El Camino, young world and chase Fetty. Like, no one in, like, I'm a boss right now. No one in dance music has done that shit. Like, no, no one. No, that's
0: what, that's what intrigued me about you. was like, when I was looking, I was like, wait, this, you're not just any house music guy. Like, it, you're not. You're doing things that not everyone else is doing. And then I was like, I, I had no idea that, number one, they were even open to, like, collaborating in that space. Like, it's just, I feel like you're on the cusp of almost a new genre of music where, like, you can find the crossover between hip-hop house and literally get that apex.
1: Totally, which is, like, it's the goal, you know? Like, I've been, this is funny, I've been sitting on this remake of Welcome to the Party. Um, is it Welcome? No, this song it has this Pop Smoke sample on it and, like, for two years, people have been like, put the record out, put the record out. And I'm just like, can't clear that shit, bro. Like, it's crazy. Like I had back in 2016, I had a record with a Nipsey sample on it. Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle is my favorite rapper of all time. Like just the message he brings, I fully embrace. And it's like something that I've brought into my brand and like what I preach and shit. And like, I was in the process of clearing that Nipsey vocal as a feature when he got killed. And it was like, wow. that was a tough one for me. Cause that was like my biggest dream ever. Right. And I'm like, that can never happen now. Right. So that's like, I have, there's a very, very close connection for me and that whole thing. Like I never met him. Right. Which I probably would have happened, but like, I also got to see, I got to go to his show at Palladium for his album release, you know, where he brought out like YG, Snoop, Diddy, you know, like that's the closest I ever got. But like when that happened, that was like a moment I think in my career. Where I was like, yo, to this day, it still bothers me sometimes. Like that can never happen. I will never be able to do a record with my favorite rapper of all time because they're no longer living. So I don't know what the significance of that is right now. It just came to me, but like, I have, I think it's the thing with pop too. Like that is never going to get cleared, you know, just one of those things that can't yeah. happen.
0: That's one of my, like, I, for me, like my key rapper in terms of like the started this whole journey was 50 cent. And I don't know how I'll react when he inevitably passes. I hope it's not for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. But I don't know what that would be like. Like I haven't lost anyone that was so significant to me yet. And I like, I know that that will happen. I love so many rappers that are no longer with us, but they were like, I didn't even know about them until after they passed. So it's like this weird relationship, but yeah, it it must feel, it must've been shocking in that sense of like how close you were, what it meant. And like for your favorite rapper genuinely to pass away suddenly, like just that, that like emotionally, it must've been really difficult.
1: Extremely. And I went to LA the next week and like went, literally went to Crenshaw and went to the store and saw everything. Like one of my best friends, Kalina Zanders, who is another person I work with. She also had, that was something that brought us together was like our love for him. So like we went together, got tattooed that day in like dedication to him, and then wrote a song the next day, like that was dedicated dedicated to him. Like if you listen to One Life, which is one a song her and I put out, like we kind of rewrote a specific part of one of his songs and recut it. And like her and I have that bond forever, which is cool. But like to have that like just pulled out of your grasp, yo, that shit sucks. <laughs> like I've been working so hard for so long at this. And like, it's selfish of me to say, because like, yo, this person literally lost their life, right? And like family members and things of that sort. But I can't really, I can't relate in that sense, you know? But like something that I wanted my entire life was pulled out of my hands. I can't say my whole life, but since I started making music and became a fan of his. So for like seven years. You know, like you're working towards this goal and then it's just gone. It's just like, it's crazy. You kind of just got to keep pushing. It's like one of those things where just figure it out. But what was cool was that led me to this rapper named Marco XO, who I discovered, who ended up being on the song and I formed a new relationship out of it. You know, so maybe that was supposed to happen for me in that sense.
0: Yeah, just cool. Yeah, I think sometimes it's also good for people to just be influences on you.
1: Yeah, like, dude, Nipsey's such a good influence in so many ways. You know, like that dude had such a business mind. He read so many books. Like, if you can go to like you can Google it, there's a list of every book that dude read. And it's crazy, the books that he read. Like, do you remember when he did uh he had the album that he sold for a hundred dollars? Yeah. Do you know where where that idea stemmed from? No. All right, so this is this is the final. I'm going to leave you with this.
0: All right, and then I have my last question that I finish on and then we're we're good.
1: Cool. Oh, so, I don't remember the name of the book, right? But there was this high-end restaurant in Philadelphia, right? And it was like lobster, steak, all that, but they wanted to find a way to make like an authentic Philly cheesesteak, right? Um, And the way they were going to do like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Right. And they're like, well, it's a steakhouse. So why don't we try to make this Philly cheesesteak and let's make it a hundred dollars. Let's have a hundred dollar Philly cheesesteak with like Wagyu steak on bread but like just the regular ingredients, right? And they're like, no, that shit's never going to work. And the chef was like, just do it, right? It's going to create noise because it was a brand new place. No one knew about it. And in that world of time, it went viral. People were like, yo, what's this $100 steak, right? Like, we got to go try this thing. $100 cheesesteak, that's absurd. <laughs> like you can get it for five bucks. It can't be that good. And it was this huge thing and put the restaurant on the map, Right. You have this outlandish idea that no one, this brings me literally back to the beginning of our conversation. So I'm bringing it back to the beginning. This brings it back to this outlandish idea that no one thinks can be real or that you can ever accomplish and you do it and then it goes huge. So he took this and he told his team, I'm going to have this meet and greet. This album and this merch for a hundred dollars, and it was it was marketed as this hundred dollar album, which no one had ever done, and he sold ten thousand of them. Like Jay, I think Jay Z bought a thousand of them, and that's how Jay Jay Z discovered him because it's like, who's this guy charging a hundred dollars for an album? Right? It was this massive thing, and it was literally a mixtape. That shit wasn't even an album. (laughs) Like, who does that? Like, what? It's, it's so crazy, but like, so, so cool, you know?
0: Yeah. It's like the self-belief to know that your, your art is worth that much, but also just to go for it of like, Hey, no one else is doing it. And I I think that, and that's exactly what you're doing, man. And that's why, you know, I always appreciate you giving us time. And I only have one more question for you before we wrap up. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I might kind of know the answer already, but I do have to ask it. If you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of cannot be your own music, can be any genre of music, what would it be?
1: You're making it very difficult for me right now.
0: Well, it's the joys of hosting your own show. (laughs)
1: i gotta say it would have to be victory lap yeah victory lap i'm guessing that's what you were probably thinking
0: yeah well i kind of knew we were talking about nipsey for a while and then you know you were in that space and i know for a fact that out that the answer to that question can change over time it was just like in this moment in time how you're feeling of like just something that people should appreciate but it is a fantastic choice for a project
1: i think so too because it's a very very inspiring piece and like i'm very in the world of spirituality which we didn't have time to go into today but like if you go to my instagram like i got away from it for a while and kind of lost myself and within the last six months i found that space again and if you go to like my socials now you can see that that's been very much implemented into what's going on with my music and what i'm pushing right now like it's an extremely extremely positive message and it's crazy because like i was at shows i didn't i didn't know like people really care about it like it's cool people comment but like i'm at shows now and people are like yo thank you for everything you're saying on the internet it's such a great change from all the bullshit, and we appreciate you being so positive and i'm just like oh that's cool i didn't even know what this was doing but i'm glad it's helping people
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely is, man. And your music is helping people. It's therapeutic and I'm excited to see what you continue to do. I know you've got the schedule release for your drops for the rest of the year. You've got an album and project you're working on. Um, so yeah, it's, I know it's only going to continue and I appreciate your time for anyone who hasn't checked him out. Make sure you check out his socials, make sure you check out his Spotify, make sure you support, you've got merch coming out as well. Uh, You had him, you would, like had a music academy we didn't talk about. So good yeah. excuse for, for us to do this again, man. But it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to to plug or shout out?
1: Nah, I'm, I mean, just shout out to everyone who fucking supports what I do and has been along for the ride. So I'm very, very appreciative because like without the fans, like you can't do this. This doesn't exist.
0: Agreed. They keep us going
1: hell yeah keep it moving like an 18 wheeler
0: (laughs) thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now